0: Are you playing the intro, Jess, or am I waiting? Uh, you want me to play it? All right,
1: well, let's start.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Steve Dangle Podcast, with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, happy long weekend, both sides of the border. And you know what I have to say? i um, very excited to have Eric Engels on Uh, Sportsnet uh, extraordinary reporter for uh, the Montreal Canadiens, and the reason we have you on, Eric, is because we didn't understand what the Montreal Canadiens were doing last week when they picked up Jake Allen. You tweeted, but everyone else did. Yeah, yeah. Like we look at our comment section, it's like Eric. It's like this. It's like okay, we don't understand what's going on, so we're trying to work through it, and then all the Habs fans are like, "You, you idiots! You don't know what's going on." I'm like, so obvious. Isn't it obvious? So Eric, what what did we miss?
2: Uh, I think on the surface, most people look at the Jake Allen deal and see that the Canadians are paying close to $15 million for two goaltenders. Um, So I I understand where the confusion comes in. But that said, I think they have 18 players signed and $14 million in cap space. And the players they have left to deal with are Victor Mete and Max Domi, uh, neither of which are looking at massive raises. So they have plenty of room to kind of clean up uh, their roster, so to speak, and, and make some improvements. And they've addressed a massive need, uh, when they tried to do cheaply over the last couple of years, whether it was Al Montoya going back to 2017-18, to Antti Niemi, to Keith Kincaid, obviously low-risk gambles, but gambles nonetheless. You know, Jake Allen was relegated to a backup role this year. And he put up the best numbers of his career over 20 games. And if he can come anywhere close to doing that again, he's going to give Carey Price the rest that he so desperately needs. He's going to give Caden Primo time to develop in the American Hockey League. Um, He's going to give the Canadians solidity in depth and nets. And they've addressed a major need here. So that's why, you know, while you look at it on the surface and see the cap implications for two goaltenders – know Allen's deal is expiring and the Canadians are in a really healthy situation cap wise to improve their
0: roster how do you think that looks like what do they go for
2: well I mean that's going to depend on what their conversations are like with certain free agents who could be available to what's available on the trade market Um, you know I know a lot of people might have thought they could have waited to see what would shake out in a saturated goaltenders market but you look at the top end there, whether it's a guy like Hudobin or a guy like Thomas Grice, they're probably looking at longer term deals, uh, given what they've been able to do before getting to free agency. And you know, I, I think the Canadians wanted that flexibility of Valen coming off the cap next year with certain contracts they have to sign, whether it's Mitri or Gallagher or Denoe uh, or Tatar for that matter. So, you know, it's all about flexibility in this system, especially given the, the constraints of the the salary cap and what's going to happen, re COVID, whether or not it's going to decrease over time, um, because we know it's going to be stable for at least the next year. But you know, it's we're in uncertain and difficult times. You know, the needs are pretty obvious for the Canadians. They need some some scoring punch up front, and they could use some size up there too. And if they can fill that within one player, you know, that likelihood is is probably through trade. But I think there are going to be players in the. In the Taylor Hall situation, I think they're going to uh, look to upgrade up front, and uh, they have the flexibility to do it.
3: Maybe as Leaf fans, we should understand not cheaping out on your backup goaltender and finding a Band-Aid solution for several years at a time. Uh, do you know if Jake Allen's a guy the Habs looked at for a while?
2: I don't I don't think so, Steve. I, I think, you know, they liked what they saw from him throughout the year. They've got pretty strong scouting um, presence, I would say, in that area. Uh, Scott Mellenby not living too far away from there. as the assistant GM of the Canadians. You know, they, they know what they're getting. I think the rest of the league saw what they're getting as well. And, and here's a guy at 30 years old who, you know, it's as much about what he did in terms of his numbers. He's got a 927 save percentage this year. I and mean, when he stepped into the playoffs – Uh, say Price got hurt for whatever reason and they needed Allen to take over as a starter for a few games or a month or whatever it is you know he's shown look what he did in the playoffs he came in for four games and put up a 935 save percentage and granted it's behind a very good Blues team uh, but that Blues team was inconsistent at times especially earlier this season and specifically in the playoffs so you're, you're, it's about what he does in terms of how he plays, but it's also about fit. You're, you're getting a 30 year old seasoned veteran who understands um, his role and how to play, and understands the, qual- the like the value of of being a good backup and a good teammate, and, and understanding that he's not gonna that he's gonna have to play sporadically, and that he's gonna have to stay on, you know, after practice with some of the extras and do all those little things that are often ignored, but are big parts of what it means to be a good backup goaltender in the National Hockey League. So the fact that he's accepting of his role and, and it's not to say he doesn't want to be a starter again in the NHL. Of course he does. Uh, But you know, he, he knows what he's being brought in here for. And you know, when you hear the the GM of the blues, Doug Armstrong say he's tremendous professional and a great teammate. uh, That's gotta be music to Mark Bergemae's (laughs) ears.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting because, Montreal, from the outside, and I know to you this is going to seem foreign because you, are, uh, you cover them every day. You, you know them better than anybody. Um, but for casual observers, they can be a bit of an enigma in terms of, like, what are they? And not because the team doesn't have an identity. They, they certainly are developing a feisty reputation. They were so much fun to watch, uh, especially against Pittsburgh. But even in the first round, they were – like, Montreal Canadiens hockey is fun – hockey to watch and as a Toronto fan that hurts me but you know it's good for the NHL and I I wonder you know what do the Montreal Canadiens think they are because you've got uh, you've got some good young talent you've got you know obviously stellar goaltending probably I don't know if you could call it the best tandem in the league I don't know how you couldn't though Um, what is the what is the thing that they're going for what's the identity that Mark Bergevin wants to put on this team where, where you play Montreal what are you expecting?
3: Yeah, I, I, well,
2: I, there's kind of two answers to that. First, you know, the first question that you asked is how do they see themselves? They see themselves as a team on the rise. Um, and specifically after watching Jesperi Kakaniemi and Nick Suzuki come to the forefront in the playoffs, um, those two guys played great hockey. And there's, re- you know, whether or not you believe they'll sustain it over an 82-game season, I, I mean, Nick Suzuki wasn't much of a surprise in the playoffs. I don't know about for you guys, but, uh, you know, we saw what the potential was leading up to his rookie season. We saw it throughout the season. You know, I think, if you, I think if you had assumed that Suzuki was going to play on the top two lines, that he was going to contribute because he just has that, I don't know what you'd call it. He's just got that clutchness when it comes to playoffs. Uh, and, yes, these were his first National Hockey League playoffs, but when you saw the way he dominated in the OHL um, and the way he rose to the occasion and, and raised up the level of his game – uh, that wasn't so surprising. But, you know, we talk about a team on the rise. Those two guys are at the foundation of it. Cockney Emmy, coming back from a brutal rookie, uh, from a brutal sophomore season to do what he did in the playoffs. is a great sign that he's going to fulfill the potential that the Canadians on and when they drafted him third overall. And, you know, those are foundational pieces up the middle for the roster. It changes everything. When you have a guy like Phil Deneau who you can slot in at number three, um, even if he's probably going to be playing middle six minutes, you, you, and you have a guy like Jake Evans who's 23 or 24 and, and now is, is, is coming into his own uh, after his rookie season and looks like he's going to be a smart, heady, good, fourth-line, dependable player uh, who can move up the lineup. You know, you're, you're set up the middle. And you look at the big three on defense, whether it's Weber, Petrie, and Sherrod. And, and the way Kulak played in the playoffs, like I said, they're, they're a team on the rise. They have some really good pieces. They need some more. You know, they, they address the pressing need in nets, um, their identity. Like you, like you mentioned, Adam, they're a feisty team. They're a, a no quit kind of team. And that's, that's somewhat how they have to play based on the pieces that they have. But if they can bolster it with, you know, even one star up front, it would make a huge difference for them in terms of the effort they need to put out over an 82 game season. Cause I think what you see is, is a team that has some pieces to help them get through the playoffs Um, They obviously need some top end scoring there. That's going to help in the regular season and the playoffs, but you know, you can't bring a playoff effort every night to an 82 game season. And and when the injuries start to hit, you need the depth to shine through. So I think Mark Bergevin is going to have some work to do to solidify his fourth line. I think he's got to bring in a top level scorer. and the defense has got some depth to it now with Alex Romanoff coming up. So they're definitely a team on the rise and they're a team that's not fun to play against, and uh, they're fast. They're extremely fast.
3: From an ownership perspective, do you think Bergevin's sort of maybe being given a nudge, a green light to to spend big? Because the Habs have money. They have 12 picks in this draft. Eight of them are in the first four rounds. They got space. Like, at some point, does Jeff Molson go to Bergevin and go, dude, spend my money?
2: Yeah, I I, I don't – there's never been a a harness on Bergevin in terms of being able to spend the money. It's just, you know, if you – it's easy to look back on the last two years and say, oh, they had, you know, nine, eight million bucks cap space and they didn't spend it. Um, They were trying to get – John Tavares to Montreal. He didn't want to take their call and went to Toronto. They wanted to take Matthew Shane. They couldn't get him. He chose Nashville. Um, it's not as if they weren't willing to spend the money, but they weren't just going to spend it on anyone and just for the sake of spending it. Um, they could have spent more on a backup goalie going back a year. They took a risk that Keith Kincaid could come back to the level we saw two, two seasons ago, um, and it didn't work out. So ultimately, Mark Bergevin, he's under no constraints here. Uh, I don't think he's looking, uh, looking at his cap situation and saying, i got to spend this money. That's the only way we're going to get better. I think he's looking at his situation and saying, wow, we're, we're further along the path than I thought we would be based on the regular season. And because I have those 12 draft picks and eight in the first four rounds, and I have one of what most people – in the hockey world would call a top five prospect pool Uh, and I have pieces getting later on in their years and and a few free agents coming up next year Um, there's some incentive to kind of swing for the fences and make a big move happen and not just go shopping in the bargain bin so it's going to be an exciting offseason for the Canadians Uh, I'm as curious as anybody in terms of how it's going to shake out but Mark Bergemay has always said this and I'm going to hold him to it he says you know you're you build your team in, in, in June and July, uh, and then you got to live with it through, through the winter. And I think he's got a great opportunity to build in the offseason on what the Canadians just did in the playoffs to give them that much better of a chance of becoming a perennial kind of playoff contender here and, and inevitably a Stanley Cup contender if the, the, the right pieces come into view. So it's, it's a difficult job. It's a difficult task in terms of free agency. The Canadians haven't had an easy time attracting players, um, but I think, you know, now you look around the landscape. I wonder how many players out there who are willing to come to Montreal to begin with, with all the external factors, will look at players like Nick Suzuki and Yasperi Kakaniami I mean, and say, I could be playing with that guy. And that, that, that bodes well for my future, too. So <laughs> it's an exciting time for the Canadians, I think.
4: Is Bergevin's future with the team in question at all? Because he's been there for eight plus years, and they haven't won a playoff series in five years. So, do you think management is looking at him and be like, "Okay, the the clock is ticking here"?
2: I mean, the clock is always ticking, but especially when your contract is up in two years. Uh, but that said, you know, you, you kind of separate Bergevin's tenure into two sections. You, or, or even three for that matter, the, the first section, it looked as though he could do no wrong and the team had great success and obviously with a lot of inherited pieces from the previous administration. And then from uh, the summer of 2017 onward, you know, there was, uh, there was a few crucial mistakes made in, in free agency. They lost Andre Markov and Alex Radulov and signed guys like Hamsky, straight and Carl and, uh, Alsner and put themselves in trouble. They ripped apart the fourth best defensive team in the league and and ended up with something nowhere near as good. And they really struggled for a bit. And and since then, since his job was affirmed after they finished in 28th, you know, following those moves, um, he's back to making a bunch of great trades and improving the team and sticking with his young prospects and not being willing to move for a quick fix. And, you know, uh, who's looking at the Canadians right now and saying they're going in a direction that's anything but up? Um, You know, it is a tight league. It's a competitive league. So many teams are better than you assume they are or some are worse than you think they are. Uh, But one way or another, they're all really close. So even if the Canadians are on the rise, it's going to take everything they have to make the playoffs next year. But look at the players that are coming in and the players that just took a huge leap this summer. Uh it's, it's, a, it's a bright looking picture. So in terms of Bergevin security, uh, you know, it was there going into the offseason, even with a team that looked like it was going to miss the playoffs, if not for COVID. And it's I think it's now, especially after those playoffs, uh, as secure as it can be.
0: Eric, we love having you on because every time we do, we learn something um, that we hadn't even thought of before. And, and I'm gonna, I'm, I know you want to get back to your long weekend, and I don't blame you. So I'm going to wrap this. However, one word answer, yes or no. Max Domi, is he a Montreal Canadian next year?
2: Oh, you're really going to limit me to one word? On oh, that? I don't have yeah. to. I, listen, I'm just trying
0: to – I'm trying to give you the out so you can get out of here and you can be like <laughs>
2: – But if, but I'm not, I know it's – I'm on to rush. I can't believe we didn't even talk about the Leafs. I, um, well,
0: listen, if, <laughs> if you want to talk – we'll keep you the whole time if you want yeah. to. Like, I, I don't want to rush you off. I was worried that you, you know, wanted to get back to your life and you're making time for us and we're very appreciative of that. So, Max, don't have, have, the situation. I have, a,
2: I have a bit more time. So, on Max um, – I just want to be clear. Like the Canadians are not looking to move Max Domi just for the sake of moving Max Domi. Um, And I can't speak to anybody in the organization telling me that they're actively looking to move him. What we do know though, is that his position with the team is tenuous. You know, he he is a center. They view, Claude Julien says we view him as a center. Um, He views himself as a center. And right now you have, you, you know, you have Nick Suzuki, Asperi, Cockney Emmy filled the know and Jake Evans up the middle. So if you're going to keep Domi, he's going to be playing out of place on the wing where he's less effective. And they have some undersized wingers and, and an opportunity to potentially upgrade and get, get a player that's, that's a little bigger and has that scoring ability and is a natural winger. If they should choose to go in that direction and make a trade. So I can't say yes or no in terms of whether or not he'd be there if I had to wager on it right now I would say it's more likely that he gets traded than if he stays but that could change really quick depending on a couple of other moves that get made so I like to, to, the most important part of the, the, the conversation here is they're not just looking to ship him out because they don't like him they know he's a really good player uh, and they want to get a really good player if they're going to trade him so uh, we're going to, it's, it's going to be a, a dossier that we monitor pretty closely moving forward
3: here. Well, going forward, do you think he's more likely to play center or wing on the Zurich Lions? <laughs> 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 uh,
2: I don't know where Zurich comes into the picture. but uh, I think Oh,
0: you don't? Like, I think you, will. Will. <laughs> you will. You <laughs> will, Eric Engels, uh, you will. Darren Ferrisville.
2: <laughs> but, uh, oh right right got you now uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not uh I, honestly one one thing that I will say about Max you know the guy loves the game his teammates absolutely love him he's he's a student of the game when he's not playing he's watching and I don't think this whole situation sat well with him in terms of a, a down year in his production and the way the playoffs went where we all know, you know, his game is suited to being a game breaker in the playoffs. So it was just, it was a tough situation watching that unfold, the way he was plugged into the fourth line and then finally worked his way onto another line and had an explosive game and then nothing after that. It it, it was a bizarre situation. Um, But I'll say that I would would willingly bet that Max is going to bounce back big no matter where he's playing next season.
0: Hmm. So that means he's got a lot of value to them. Staying on the team or uh, or elsewhere because you can never have too many centers, right? They, no, just...
3: they got they got former NHLer Marcus Kruger on the roster. They got <laughs> Chris <laughs> Chris Baltusberger, yeah. like he, and you Phil that... Baltusberger. I wonder if they got to be related, right? All
2: right, <laughs> yeah, but the... do you guys remember? Do you guys remember the last time we spoke? Do you guys remember what I said about the Leafs? That they were uh, very good? You said they were
3: really good and they were going to
0: win the cup. <laughs> <laughs> that you absolutely it nailed it?
2: Yeah. <sighs> so nobody remembers, I guess? No, no I don't no. remember the exact Sorry, I didn't but know I was a remember, literal
0: question. I do remember, yeah, you're asking us to have a memory beyond the last five minutes, and all of us, except for Jesse, sort of struggled with that.
2: Sorry, I, what, I lost what, you. What did you second. say? Yeah, what,
3: what, did you,
0: what, did, what did you say about the Leafs?
3: Eric,
2: what we did you say? Spoke- we spoke right after – I think we spoke right after that 8-6 Carolina-Toronto game.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, f- yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: And I remember, I remember saying this team could outscore anyone. And I'm, I'm willing to absolutely go mea culpa if they end up shocking and, and, and going against the conventional wisdom that they can succeed in the playoffs playing the way they do but they played defense like a junior hockey team, and I'd be really shocked if they made it out of the first round, I think is what I said on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds familiar. Now, I was quite surprised at how they played defensively against Columbus, but I was also equally shocked that they couldn't score goals. That was the part that really shocked me.
4: <sighs> if they had scored goals, they would have They would have won. It's weird how that happens. Eh? Yeah. You score some goals, <laughs> sometimes you win.
2: i just... Well, just how do they how do they end up in a situation where the one reason they can not advance is because they can't put the puck in mm-hmm. the net? That was the part that has to sit so badly with Kyle Dubas and whoever else is is in charge there that like that's the one thing that this team was built to do. So it's it's confusing because I thought defensively I was really impressed with the way they played. Um, I didn't think they had that in them, and and I I remember you know at the beginning of camp with the optics kind of changing and the, and the things that Sheldon Keith was saying in terms of, like, getting a defensive commitment in there. So I just – I couldn't believe that they couldn't find the goals when they needed them. It, Credit to Columbus, obviously.
0: Yeah, it seemed, too, that, like, the series – I mean, you you, you lose – as Dubas said, you lose the series in game three when you're up and you allow three or four goals in a row and you don't – and you can't stop. Uh, the other thing is, you know, Eric, when, when Jake Muzzin went down um, – it really changed the makeup of how the Leafs play defense. And I think that's sort of – and, and I, I'm curious to get your take on this because um, you watched a feisty team that plays a team game, um, and the Leafs have been rightly accused of not always playing a team game. Um, you know, you watched a team with objectively less talent go further and against some pretty stiff competition like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Latang, and, you know – whoever's in net for the penguins, Matt Murray, uh, whatever, uh, is it's, it's a, uh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty tough. That's a pretty tough team. And then they, you know, they, they steal a game, uh, an emotional game in the, in the first round as well. Like it was, uh, for Claude Julian, like, I mean, it was for the, for the least for me, the number one thing has got to be first up, it's got to be the right side D. Uh, and I don't know how you spend the money that they have. Uh, but I also think that, that, there is a glaring weakness between the ears with this team. There just seems to be something where they, you know, and I know this happens with young teams, but there's like a, a lack of confidence. Does that make sense? Did you see that?
2: No, I mean, you gotta, you gotta get over the hump. Here's what I think about the Leafs. I I think, you know, obviously any upgrades they can make defensively, if they can get some nastiness back there and some big boys, it's going to help. I agree with you. Jake Muzzin is, is a key piece on that blue line in terms of the way he plays and the way he's committed to playing. You know, the biggest takeaway for me, and I, I, I don't want anybody to take this as a slight to Matthews because I thought Matthews stepped up and played great in the playoffs. Um, but I think moving forward, they need to get into a room with Matthews, Nylander, Marner, if those guys are all staying. And they need to, they need to have a different mindset. They need, they need a mindset where like, this is their team. The team belongs to those three guys and Morgan Riley. And those guys have to set the example and the bar off the ice in terms of their commitment. I'm not saying they don't, they don't work hard in practice and they don't work out. It's not, it's not about that. It's about, it's about being the top guys though in that department. It's about setting the bar for everybody else. And when I watched the playoffs and I saw Matthews take off and play the way he did, I was, I was certainly impressed you know, Marner, obviously, his production was underwhelming, but I don't think it was a question of him, you know, underselling his effort. But I watched Tavares, and, and Tavares, his his leadership, though muted in the room, is on the ice, he, he plays the way you want your players to play. He leads the exact right way for that team. But it's not, you know, as much as he's the captain, like, it's not is his, it his team. team. That team no. will that team belongs to those four young guys and those four young guys have to be the first guys on the ice and the last guys off and the first guys in the gym and the last guys out and the guys rallying the troops behind the scenes and, and guiding them through the tough moments and getting them to commit to playing more of a team game and a defensive game. And if they're not going to be those guys, this is never going to work. So I think that that's the biggest takeaway for me. It's it's, it's time for that hard conversation and to make them realize, you know, you think you're working hard, but there's a whole other level to it, and you should know. Watching John Tavares, the
3: yeah. Leafs, the Leafs that's, said, "Matt, sorry." The the, the Leafs said Tavares was going to be captain no matter what uh, before the Matthew story came out. Are they dirty liars? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: no, I mean I don't think so. I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to sign John Tavares to the deal they signed him to, and knowing what he brings and what his pedigree is. Um, and, and suggest that anybody else should be captain. I, I don't think they got that decision wrong, uh, especially yeah. with just the way, just the way he leads on the ice. Um, and I don't know that Matthews necessarily would be the best candidate to be captain, to be honest with you, yeah. but I would, I would love to see him emerge as that type of guy now, you know, that he, how old is he? He's 23.
0: I think so. 22? I think you might've, uh... this was season four. So, yeah, it's 22.
2: Like, how old are you guys? I'm 37. I I know that, like, from 20 to 23. Yeah, from 20 to 23. (laughs) Matthews (laughs)
4: turns 23 in a week. Oh, okay. There you go.
2: So I was, I I was, I was mature as a 20 year old. And then if, if you would ask me at 23, what I thought of my 20 year old self, I would say, Whoa, like I had a lot of growing up to do. It's just the normal natural progression, especially for players that jump into the league at 18 years old or immediately superstars paid millions of dollars. It's, it takes a long time to mature and, and recognize just how much goes into becoming a champion at this level. And there, 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 it's in your DNA or it's not, but there's some things that you can obviously improve on in terms of your attitude and, and how you carry yourself. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to denigrate any one of those four guys. I think they're all solid guys and my interactions with them, you know, especially with Riley, it came away very impressed, but at a certain point, like that's what, that's what I believe. Like you need to get them in a room altogether and say, guys, like this is your team and you need to run it in every way. And, and the day that this team takes a leap forward is the day that it's not the coach coming in and delivering the message that resonates. It's, it's those guys who right. say, like, we're going to do it this way. And that's what you want. That's what every organization wants. They want, they want their players to take over the room. Even the, the most um, oppressive coaches, the John Tortorella types, they want the players to take over the room. It and, seems like that's and, what uh,
0: Tampa's done recently
2: yeah you know that's what's happened they have a great coach too but but yeah i mean they're they're those guys you look at the way they came together you know prior to the phase three training camp um and i know it led to some covid situations but yeah there 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 is a there is a, a will there that is not just let's show up and play and we're good enough to win it's it's they they learned they they had the hard knocks just like Toronto has, but certain guys emerged as, as key role players and took over the team. A guy like Braden Point, anybody would have looked at him coming into this season and said, okay, he's their, he's their second-line center. He's probably the best second-line center in the league, yep. except he's their first-line center now because he just <laughs> said, I'm, I'm going to be the best player on this team. Uh, that's what you need. That's what you need from these guys, and like a guy like Marner – I mean, he can take over any game he plays. There's no reason he can't be that guy who sets the example for everybody else and starts doing all the other things that come with assuming that leadership that you're getting paid for. And I I think those guys have it in them, but the, the, the mindset and the mentality needs to change and it, it needs to be driven home big time.
0: Eric Angles, senior columnist uh, and uh, insider for Sportsnet with the Montreal Canadiens and, and really around the league. Eric I don't know if you ever have time to start a podcast, but God, I would listen to it. I could sit here all after. And I'm not just blowing smoke, man. I love talking to you. Thank you for making time for us yet again, because uh, we love having you on.
2: I love being on with you guys. You guys are great. Well, uh, we know.
0: uh, (laughs) uh, You are welcome on any time. And by the way, if you follow Eric Angles on Twitter, go for the hockey takes, but stay for the food takes because oh, yeah. i don't know how you guys like i don't know who's the who does the cooking in your house if it's you and your wife uh but my god some of the m- meals you guys put together there's not a chance i could ever even attempt them but boy do they look good
2: it's all me buddy it's uh,
0: All me. boy. <laughs> well i'm i'm, I'm, I'm uh, inviting myself over if we're ever allowed to travel again anytime anytime <laughs> you're in montreal <laughs> thanks eric we really appreciate your time no, no problem be well guys all right buddy take care yeah. Eric Engels, Sportsnet, and uh, just you know, God, I'm not kidding. I love talking to him. He's just the best. That was fun. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like him and CJ. It's just you just you realize how little you know. <laughs>
3: Do you know uh, what I'm saying? Real, real mountains <laughs> uh, of knowledge. Mm-hmm. I like I like talking to guys like Eric because they're a change of pace from the voice in my own head. Like he's just so calm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just out, outward and inward yelling
0: all the time. What do and you he's... think it's just, just, just to interrupt you for a sec, Steve, Jesse, what do you think it's like to live with the voice in Steve's head? It's awful. Ooh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, I think Mrs. Dangle would be the best person to answer that question, because I think she's had some uh, strenuous times over the last, mm. how long has it been, Steve? 15 years? Uh,
3: yeah, how 13?
4: long have you been? it? 13 years. 13, year 13 yeah, yeah. She'd yeah. be the wow. best person to answer that question. Wow. Yeah, but
3: even she even she gets to like, like right now she's like, she's taking Leo out. Like I, I'm still here. I'm still, I'm always, I'm always with me. It's. I don't get a break. I don't get ladies night away from me. I've always got me. It's the worst. <laughs> well, it's led to a very
4: successful YouTube channel.
0: So yeah, you I'm know? just going to say it interview has a very good sense of humor yeah <laughs> hey let's uh let's get to our kellogg's frosted flakes Sally of the week and i think there's only one choice for this steve dangle it's it's very easy it's it's very
3: viral it's very great it certainly Steve's is Steve's great but you know who's even better tone Joel Frosted Kiviranta of the Dallas Stars. Guy that doesn't never... roll off the tongue at all. Yes, that didn't it work. <laughs> no. yes it does. Sad. Even the
0: Frosted Flakes people are like, I don't know, Steve. Don't know. <laughs> we could work on that.
3: <laughs> That's uh, adequate. And guess what? This dude. <laughs> This dude who you've never heard of? No, you haven't. Shut your face. Yeah, they have you. not heard of this guy.
4: Yeah. Never. Stop lying, everybody on Twitter. Oh yeah, new. Oh, uh, you got yeah. hockey
0: hipsters here. Like, yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> like,
3: yeah. Get out of here. Oh, when he played like what nine games this regular season as a twenty-four year old? Shut up. Shut. Up. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Wasn't a player of. Oh yeah. you Just you wait. This is a guy who's going to score a hat trick in a game seven including the ot winner mm-hmm. get out of here with your takes on joel frosted Renta. but this <laughs> dude winning it for the dallas stars sending them to the western conference final absolutely my celly of the week his celly on the ice his teammate Selly, and the celly of one uh, i believe his name is anti makinen uh in finland the play-by-play guy who set oh. us there.
0: Mm-hmm. how great there. was that call
3: uh, just amazing just am- and naturally him and CJ are friends because CJ of is course. an international man of uh, yeah, can mystery I,
0: can i throw something out there the network that he works for um it, it was like ah and here's the call from finland and they ran it on sportsnet and i think it was like and then it's like something it's like swami sport but it's funny because swami is finland right swami uh, but uh, but finnish is so different from english i'm surprised they use the word sport because it's an english word but it is that was one of the weird things i like you ever
3: learn a tidbit that has nothing to do with anything that you cannot shake it's just like what you- so i was taking this history course and this teacher for no good reason was like finnish is one of the weirdest languages in the world because there's nothing really close to it linguistically at least not even within the region there's no latin
0: to- connection too right
3: the closest language linguistically to Finnish, according to this one history teacher that I had once, is Hungarian.
0: Whoa, which is a wacky language, holy.
3: And not near Finland. Not at all. So where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, but like, when, when, you, when you go, oh, that's the country Leo Komarov plays for, <laughs> like it's, it sort of starts to make sense. You're like, can yeah, I play know, the hockey? Can I play
0: the Yeah, call? please, I think so. We're In just a sponsored to... segment? Sure. Bucky Bucky zoo. <laughs> He's in juoksee direction, he's Kiviranta Man, that's
3: great.
4: That's a
0: lot of fun. So that wasn't that wasn't the swear one. Good, good. good This is the the funny thing is is like we all, everybody um, everybody asks how do we make hockey more exciting? How about an announcer like that? Oh, easy. I I would love to hear an announcer lose it. Like I love hearing Joe Bowen lose it. It's great.
3: You imagine Jim Houston one day just became that guy,
0: oh, completely unexpectedly,
3: what? and like didn't start until the second period, like completely caught you off guard.
4: One of my favorite things about the Kawhi shot is the reaction from the ESPN announcers because it's just oh, yeah, <laughs> I know, That's literally just it, it's just a, just a loud oh, and it's amazing. It
0: just, just because exactly, and just because you're a you're you're covering the sport doesn't mean you still can't be a fan of the sport. You don't have to like. Like, I know there's certain reporters that take it very seriously. I'm not a fan of this team. I just cover this team. Fine. Whatever. But, like, if you're an announcer or whatever, why can't you get excited? It's, that, the whole point is that it's fun and exciting. But hockey's got this, like, well, no, I have a, a disinterest in this team, even though I follow them every day.
3: <laughs> well, and the, the call, it, it, it kind of blends in better when they lose their mind. Because what's the golden goal? What's the golden goal? Sydney Crosby, the golden goal in Canada, has once in a lifetime Olympic gold. I know that because I've watched it a thousand times. Did anyone hear it the first time it was said? No. no. Nobody heard it. He went, ah! <laughs> so for this guy, I'm almost more likely to listen to him freaking out. Like, I, I might mute my freaking out to listen to his freaking out because he's at least on the same wavelength as me you
0: know what mm. i mean yeah i get that i get that well and it's like the dave miller one though i think everybody or Gord miller one with uh pierre mcguire at the world juniors i can i can, I can. <laughs> like, that I can, can
3: because can. a bunch of analysis that no one is hearing absolutely no one country of 35 million people not one of them is listening to the words coming out of my mouth Thank you for that thirty second thing there. <laughs> Next GM of the coyotes. Like Yeah, seriously. we'll get to that. Yeah, True. we sure will.
0: Yeah, so anyway, anyway I uh Frost uh, Flex, Great Sally of the Week. Sally of the week. <laughs> and you know what? Since great we job. talked about Dallas a little bit there, let's start with Dallas. Nathan McKinnon could have beat Gretzky's record, but his uh, team just would not let him. You know, I I well, uh,
3: his team? His team, Adam? Or the fact that Eric Johnson was hurt, the captain was hurt, and they were on Michael Hutchinson and Nett?
0: Those. Honestly? I, I think a, it was that. As soon as Grubauer went down in game one, I thought, this is going to be rough. Not that Fran is bad, but yeah. you just – because Fran is actually a very good goalie uh, and reliable and had great games against the Leafs, which really pisses me off. But, of course, here we are. Um, the thing is, uh, when a – and I hate to say this because I know Find Michael words. Hutchinson's a good guy. Okay, I know that he's a good guy. This is not a personal attack, but when you have a goalie like Michael Hutchinson in net, and you know how he played with the Leafs this year, and then you know how he played in Game Six, where it's like literally we need to outgoal their shots, right? You can't play your full game with a goalie like Michael Hutchinson in net. Now he they is tried. the third stringer. You can try, but you're never going to play five goals. You're never going to be at 100% with Michael Hutchinson in net because you're always going to be worried about what happens if I fuck this up. When you've got Philip Grubauer in net, you're less worried about what happens if I fuck up this play and it goes the other way. And that's, that's sort of where I thought, I mean, Dallas took over in game one and, and, and had, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from them because they were fantastic. But to say that Colorado was playing full Colorado Avalanche hockey in game seven, they just weren't. No, and they still and- scored four goals and still almost won. That's a this great team. This isn't how hockey
3: works, but did anyone watch that entire series and come – well, the first few games were bizarre. I was amazed how much Dallas dominated Colorado. But did anyone watch the full seven games and come away with the conclusion that Dallas is the better team? I didn't. I'm sorry. Like, Colorado – there's a reason I picked them for the cup, because healthy, they easily win, it. I think. Or easily at least make it to the third freaking round. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Dallas. I mean I mean, Radulov is amazing, Gurianov's amazing, Kiviranta is amazing, uh Kudobin has you know, we're talking about we're talking about Hutchinson. Dallas has been using their backup practically the entire time. But I just feel like healthy, Colorado's such a wagon, but just what a cursed, cursed season for mm-hmm. that hockey team, man. Cursed season. I d uh, I don't know if
4: if like better is probably not the right word, right, when we're comparing any two teams this deep in the playoffs but I look at Dallas and I and I think that they're built to succeed in the playoffs Mm -hmm. so when I compare them to Colorado I say oh yeah I understand why they won because this is a great defensive hockey team from the regular season that's come to the playoffs now and has been able to find offense so they've been a they've been a complete team in every aspect of that and I can see how when you're going up against these guys in seven games that they're going to take four out of the seven the majority of the time you know even though colorado's there and they're going to outscore you it's this dallas team has found a way to just out muster and at will which definitely plays a huge factor in the playoffs
3: of course it's nothing to disparage them but i just feel like colorado is i i was thinking about it the other day who are the top three teams in terms of performance and just on paper like if if they're healthy Everyone, you know, it's your NHL 21 roster, and I came away with Tampa, Vegas, two teams that are still in it, and yep. Colorado. Yep, but that's not how hockey works.
0: No, Dallas so. won. There were seven the best, games; they won four. The best team doesn't win in hockey, and that's okay. That's what makes it fun. If the <laughs> best team always won, we would kind of suck. Um, now it would be boring. Like, who? I'm sorry. If you're a Vegas fan,
3: fine. Everyone should have been cheering for the Canucks. Because they were clearly getting killed.
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> they were getting it's, killed. It was the Thatcher Demko show for the last couple games, right? Like even even in a 3 nothing loss. We're getting to that, though. Please don't put pro- us there yet. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We're trying to segment this out. Jesse, you make a no. really good point. And it's funny that, that Steve is saying this about the Avs because earlier in the season, and I don't know if you remember saying this, Steve, but you were talking about how you thought Dallas was a candidate to win the Cup, and I thought you were crazy. And you said if they could ever figure out goal scoring, they'd be there. And the interesting thing about Dallas too is you got, frankly, like like everybody We're still good. thinks of Tyler Sagan as a young guy. Tyler Sagan's in his he's prime now. Yeah. He's a vet ten ten, yeah. he was drafted
3: ten years ago.
0: I know. He always you know, he's one of those kids or guys that's like a forever a kid, but he's not. <laughs> and Radulov's in his mid thirties and Jamie Ben's up there, and these guys know that it's the time is now. Whereas I feel like with not that Nate McKinnon's a spring chicken. He's not, he's, he's right in his prime prime years as well, but Colorado is still on the up, right? Dallas is so good. Dallas is very Dallas is a very, very good hockey club, which is, this is where they're going to be. You know what I mean? Like these guys are maximized on their potential maximized on what they are. They're playing a great system. They got a great goaltender. They got really good coaching. Um, And they're, you know everything sort of come together. Where, like, if you were to play this series again next year, I think Colorado wins, and I think they win it in five or six. The oh, yeah. reason for that is I think that Colorado's got another step to take. You look at what's another season for Kale McCarr going to look like? You know what's healthy goaltending going to look like? You know Nazem Kadri. We got to see him through a couple rounds in the playoffs. What a what a stud! He's so great, and uh, and I think that's the that's the the thing with Colorado is. The step is coming. You can feel it. You know it's going to be there. Dallas has made their step, and they are what they're going to be. And I think, I think Vegas, it's interesting that they're, they're going to be playing each other, and we'll get to our predictions in a second. But um, when, with those two teams playing each other, I think they're two teams that have max potential, as in they're at where they need to be to win the cup. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of unstoppable force a movable object. They are complete – hockey clubs and I think they're two of the most complete hockey clubs in the league and that's what's going to make the West final so much fun but we'll get to that in a second let's both
4: and just you brought up like Radulov he's the he was the ideal playoff player in that game seven like he took some bad it took some bad penalties was in every play and then he went out and scored two goals like he was a pest and he was annoying and he scored and was a great offensively. Like that's got a, a guy who knows what to do in these, yeah. in these types of situations. And he bullied around the young team
3: in Colorado. He got a goal this series, I can't remember which game, that he deflected off of his own shoulder. Like just, yeah. <laughs> just like exactly the, the kind of playoff goals you need. And by the way, he got a, a power play goal, I think at least one power play goal uh, in game seven there. I do have to bring this up. Michael Hutchinson was a 770, I think, 3 on the penalty kill with the Leafs. Um, I think he didn't allow a single one in, like, his one regular season game with the Colorado before that. But, dude, that that goalie struggles, man. That goalie struggles. Not to take anything away from Dallas, but, oh, man. i cheer for him, but.
0: Yeah. um, I also think, and this might be a reach, but – there was a Dallas team in 2012 or 2013 that had Radulov and had a few other players on it that were that, that Nashville team, excuse me, it was a Nashville team that had uh, did I say Dallas? I meant Nashville. Yeah. Uh, the Nashville team of the either 2012 or 2013 playoffs. I can't remember if it was right before or right after the lockout um, where, you know, Radulov and a player, I think they went out to the bar, broke curfew. Sergey Kostitsin. Uh, Kostitsin. and, Because, yeah, because the Kastitsin brothers were, you know, loaded with talent, Radulov loaded with talent, but they were young and stupid. And going back to what Eric Engels said, you know, I wonder, you know, we're all young and stupid at a certain point. You know, he's a lot younger. Radulov's now up there. This could be, you know, you start to get into your mid-30s and go, especially as an athlete, this is going to end and it's going to end very soon. So I better take advantage Oh, 35. And Radulov is 35, like 34, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 30, sorry, 34. 34, you know, he, he he's got to do this. <laughs> if he's going to do it, he's got to do it now. And, and that's Adam it focuses you, right? It's your brain that, that matures. Adam
3: Radulov was a great player for the Preds, great young player for the Preds for two years. And then he disappeared to Russia for four seasons. The Preds had to beg him to come back. They had to work really hard plays nine regular season games, gets seven points. In the playoffs, eight games, six points. So they begged him. He was such an important part of their team, but he frigs off and he does all that stupidness in the club. Who's the Who's the coach who benched him? Barry Trotz.
0: Might wow. get a chance to play him in the final. Oh, yeah, wow. that's right. Barry Trotz was the coach for like 20 years in Nashville. Was, I think it was like,
3: wasn't it 20 years? Almost like, literally, yeah. yeah. I, uh, might have uh, – it was close. It was a it was long time. was close to it, it, man. And uh, they,
0: might, they might meet in the final. How cool is that? Um, so it's, it's cool to see a guy like Bradjilov because he's such a good player still. He reminds me a little bit. Now, Andy Pettit was a lot older, but Andy Pettit, when he was like uh, a pitcher for the Yankees, like the second goal round, uh, and he was like 45, and he had no power left, but it was like curveball, you know, change up, curveball, curveball, slider. And like it was, he would mentally fuck with batters. And and I feel like that's what Radulov is able to do now. He's such an effective player, and everything that I think Nashville hoped he would be, he is for Dallas. Which is he's the way a, it goes sometimes.
4: Yeah, he's ten he's years a, later, he's peaking.
0: <laughs> yes, I really wish
3: I, we got to see his full NHL career. The guy, he's only played four hundred forty-two games because he spent wow. so much time uh, in Russia. It it was hilarious. I still remember our conversations. Remember we were ragging on the Habs for talking about Galchenyuk not taking hockey seriously enough. And we're like, you signed Alex Radulov. But at like, the time, what the, else did you have time, to go on? At the time, it was absolutely a valid criticism. And Radulov has proven that he's not that guy anymore. And now yeah. look at him. He's a, he's
0: a murderer on the ice. He's a great I'm, hockey player. I'm not the guy was at 25 either, <laughs> right? It's, it's, no. You change. That's what happens. Um, now, let's, let's move on to Vegas, Vancouver. And I, Steve, you rightly pointed this out. How can you I not know. cheer for Vancouver? But it was very clearly Vegas' series to lose, and they almost did. That last game was a stamp like, no, okay, we've we've had our fun, but that this is this is this is our Besser.
3: series. Besser was so close. He was close twice. Twice he almost scored in the final minute too. He hit the post.
0: Yeah, but it was three nothing. Yeah, it was over. <laughs> I think it was, no, it was two. It was only but two. And oh like wow, there's. <laughs> You not every team Have is you the league. Team. Watch oh no. They <laughs> got 14 shots and it was so close when it was three nothing. Yeah, like, right? That's oh, the oh. thing. Like it was, you know, and and Vancouver has a bright future. Here's my question. We'll get to Vegas in a second. Vancouver's the interesting one for me. If you are Jim Benning and you need to put your phone away on July 1st anyway or whenever free agency hits, what do you do with Markstrom? Have you seen enough from Thatcher Demko to go, okay, I think we can maybe use that cap space that we may have allocated for Markstrom to somebody else or do you want to have Markstrom demco next season and take the risk of overpaying Markstrom a little bit and then having to try to offload him in a couple seasons because Demco is ready cuz it sure seems like Demco's ready but I don't know if you can if you can really know that off of a couple playoff games and the season that he had
3: here's here's what you're you're going off of all right so he's he's 24 he'll be 25 in September mm-hmm um he played one game in 17-18 we're not even gonna look at it uh 2018-19 he played nine games had a 9-13 Woo! and only 16 games in the AHL that season 9-11 oh this is okay. Demko this yep. is Demko okay and this past season he played 27 games for the Canucks was a 9 5 but and this is the funny thing about the playoffs. Yeah, it's sample size, but it's when it's not just when the Canucks needed them the most. It's they were all elimination games. This guy, yeah. the Canucks somehow are not in the playoffs right now, despite the fact that the goalie they ended the playoffs with has a 985.
0: <laughs> Small sample size, but yeah.
3: What? <laughs> I, so what? They were all elimination games like that. It's it's so hard. It's so hard because you can't anoint a starter after three games. But can you? That's crazy. But maybe you can. Like, I don't know. If if the – it sort of feels like the mandate was going – was anyway was going to be. Um, listen, let Markstrom walk. He's going to demand so much money, and we're going to go young and net. It sort of felt like that before we knew Demko was a demigod.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And now – it just feels like you know how goalies you know, it's it's different mentally knowing that you actually have the net. Yep. Like this this is the guy Martin Marincin beat twice in two seconds. You know that, right? Like <laughs> Oh, I forgot that. He was he was oh my that, God. that whole game. the hits the post and then beats him clean. Matthews scored the disappearing puck goal. Yeah. I think they beat him two or three times in the first. I, Talk about things that'll never happen
0: again. Martin Marincin, two goals. Ever. <laughs> Even over the season, like, like forgetting the same game.
3: Uh, I think they will go with him as the starter, but I think that was the plan anyway. And now they're just going to be more confident about it. So we got a comment in our
0: sense. in our last uh, YouTube video um, about um, about you know the total switcheroo on 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 Markstrom and and, and the views on him people were like wow we're just going to ignore the fact that you know especially I think they were after me about it like that Adam just did a, a total 180 on Markstrom and 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 meaning that I thought he was a big part of the Canucks future how are you going to resign him and now I think oh, it's Thatcher Demko and you let Markstrom walk and that's the way it goes guys <laughs> in the playoffs it's- you change your opinion Based on the results, look at the results. Steve makes an incredible point. You have a goalie that's, what is it, 986 in elimination games? That's the goalie. And, and here's the thing. You've got a young core, Besser, um, uh, Horvat, who's not actually young anymore, uh, Elias Peterson, everybody else. You know, it's, it's, it's not – the thing is it's, it's – if you want that core to be together, it's time for Thatcher Demko to probably have the net, right? I tell you what. I think, and I was texting producer Drew about this,
3: the Avalanche should bring a Brinks truck full of money because they have the space <sighs> and give it to Jakob Markstrom in free agency. Trade one of Grubauer or Franzos doesn't matter. They're both more than capable as a backup or 1A and cruise your way to a cup.
0: Yeah. I think they that's absolutely that. what they should do. Grubauer but, wouldn't um, be too bad with the Leafs in a tandem.
3: Well, I'm just saying, man, I'm just saying. Listen markstrom was great in these playoffs he was just let down by his team he had a 936 despite the fact that the team in front of him wasn't good oh, he oh was sorry great. that's that, sorry that's frederick anderson i was looking at with the 936 markstrom had a 919 just to uh give leaf fans a little something to chew on one guy is a demigod who carried yeah. his team through two
0: rounds and the other guy is a piece of shit bum no the other guy was playing the columbus blue jackets the leafs Come didn't on. score that's, Engel said he, it. They didn't he, freaking score. It doesn't what, matter. They what, were playing the – he's he's supposed to have a high save percentage against Columbus, one of the lowest – they were the bottom five in scoring. Also, no one's,
4: no one's saying that Frederick Anderson is a bum.
0: No, they're we're just saying, saying they he's, he's not in
4: elimination games. We're saying <laughs> they didn't win the series. Yeah, they and didn't. It sucks because they, they should missed have the playoffs. won.
0: <laughs> <laughs> stop, okay, stop. All right, all right. Everybody needs to stop with the revisionist Freddie Anderson stuff. Yeah. He's walking around. <laughs> Freddie Anderson's a very good goaltender, but to say that Freddie Anderson, Freddie Anderson, has performed the way the Leafs had hoped in any of the playoff series, save the Washington Capitals series, would be a, a lot. You know, there's there was games against Boston. You can't give up six goals two games in a row and hope to win a series against Boston, and they still managed to close. Yeah, when we when but we but then there were like six goals, six goals, and then seven goals in game seven. How long?
4: How long was Frederick Anderson in net when we went down to Boston to see the playoff game? Like a period? Yeah. Oh, like five like, seconds. He was like, terrible. <laughs> he would last. You that's not acceptable. No, it's not. He no, going to He's got
3: to play a game. You can you know, have I one, game. A, I <laughs> one I literally, I saw that stat,
0: and I just wanted to be a dick. Like, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. Listen, like, I think who they're playing sort of matters, and that's that's what's it killing does. me about like. Like some of the, some of the, you know, there's, there's, there are people, there are huge Freddie Anderson detractors. There are huge Freddie Anderson supporters. I tend to go up the middle. He's very good. He's very good. You will get to the playoffs with Freddie Anderson. That's why I'm hesitant to get rid of him. However, you look good in Colorado. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, I, another trade with the avalanche if the, that the Leafs don't succeed on. I'll be very upset. Mm-hmm. Um, we but get country back. I think, yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey, listen, I'll <laughs> take it. I just, I look at it and I go, you know, it's, it, it doesn't – with the Freddie Anderson situation, and I know we're breaking off from the Vegas series. We'll get back to it. It's a topic. It does seem like maybe both sides are a little tired of each other. Does yes. it not feel like there's a change in the air? I don't know why. It just feels like both sides are kind of like we're frustrated. Here's
3: here's my understanding is, uh, you know, we ranted about Mike Babcock – uh, not giving frederick anderson adequate rest yep and uh I, a lot of that was freddie um and it's not like babcock was like oh you know we gotta risk this guy he wanted to ride the pony too but freddie wanted to play like 60 games um Bullshit. there was there was <laughs> players was back-to-back games this year against the avs and the flyers where they lost one and he said no screw that i want the net back and they gave it to them the next game and they lost that one too Not that they would have won. Well, Hutch is going to go in. Come on. (laughs) So I think, I think, um, yeah, there, there is some atrophy there, but, uh, you know, and this sort of came out with that Steve Simmons thing today. I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but, uh, there's no reason to trade Freddie for the sake of it in the same way that there was no reason to trade Tyson Berry for the sake of it. Um, the Leafs have Freddie for another season, um, yeah, well, he makes five million bucks it's not breaking the bank for a starter of his quality no so we got we got we'll, so much
4: time to debate freddie anderson like yeah, exactly. i don't know when hockey's coming back and we got we got time for that we got time yeah and, and you know what let as, me just as say as this. long as
3: it's not a friggin uh like is he going to switzerland uh conversation yeah, i think yeah. we're okay oh, by we'll the way having this a lot you never know it could be bad apparently his agents claude lemieux i didn't know that well,
0: just don't turn your back on him in negotiations you know what i'm saying oh, oh,
3: oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> i got it because he was a predatory player
0: <laughs> <laughs> no i think the last the, the thing i want to quickly say on the is for, so that for anybody that missed it steve simmons hinted at an article that kyle dubas is getting a reputation oh. a reputation <laughs> guys do, do you asking- hear how older writers talk about him Okay, can I just finish this quickly? No! And then, and then no. yes. No, here's then, another point. point. <laughs> for anybody that's not Ow. in the market, there are a lot, of, you know, a lot of people listening to this who are not Torontonians. So, like, a lot. like mostly Yeah, but they're not orbiting around it. <laughs> so, Steve Simmons suggested that, basically, Kyle Dubas is getting a reputation for asking too high a price for his players. Like, how dare he get a first-round pick For Kasperi Kapanen, what a dick, said every other general manager that didn't get Kasperi Kapanen that wanted him. And that was what was suggested in the article this morning, which, again, listen, and Rachel Dory pointed it out on on Twitter, Mark Hunter was Steve Simmons' guy. He's put a billion hit pieces on Kyle Dubas. Most of the time it's unfair. Listen, Kyle deserves some criticism, for sure. Uh, And we've criticized him at length. Um, However, asking too much for your players and getting it is uh, the kind of GM I want.
3: Like, you you can't get what you're asking for if you have no leverage, right? Yeah. But the leverage with Barry and the leverage with Anderson is we don't need to trade this player. Yeah. That's the leverage with Kerfoot. That's the leverage with Johnson. There's no need to trade any of those players. I personally would like it if he did on account of you could probably get... Someone on defense, considering they have literally no right side. Yep. Outside of Justin Hall. Um, But there's still free agency. There's still X. There's still Y. There's still Z. They don't need to trade any of those players. So Kyle Dubas, especially before, like well before the draft, asking for too
0: much. Yeah. That's how it works. That's how. I just just wish. Steve, Steve, I want you to sell your house. But I want you to sell it at 50 grand under what most people would pay for it. You know why? Because I don't want you to develop a reputation.
3: Well, Adam, I hear your offer. And uh, how about you go shit in your hat? (laughs) That's right. Like, isn't that what I just, well, and what I, what I found funny. So people always, you know, they're dying to leak this stuff to Steve Simmons and they're dying to, you know, different league execs and scouts leak this stuff to Simmons and some other, more senior writers out there. And then they wonder why Kyle Dubas doesn't call them when he has a wicked offer on the table from Jim Rutherford. You're, <laughs> you're assholes to this guy. Like, I know he's not part of your little friend group. Like, he's not in your WhatsApp chat or whatever. Maybe most of the other GMs are. Kyle Dubas is the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you want to be, uh,
0: if you want to make deals with him, maybe stop being such a dick to the guy. <laughs> I, I don't think you need to worry about that as a, as a journalist. It's not, no, not really as a journalist, a not as a journalist. Oh, you mean That's, like GMs?
3: Steve, Steve can write whatever he wants about. College. So you mean GMs? You mean GMs? I'm talking about GMs. No, no. Yeah. Steve is just writing what he's being fed. Mm-hmm. So a, 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 another fair. GM. Yeah, another GM. Oh, why didn't he call me?
0: Because you're a dick. Why didn't you call him if you wanted the player? What are you waiting for? I don't they, understand oh, this. Like, my, why are people upset have... about a playoff trade? I don't understand. It's legal. You're allowed to do it. Why wouldn't you take advantage? One of the eight teams
3: remaining in the playoffs was mad. At least one of the eight teams remaining in the playoffs was mad. Uh, Dubas didn't call them. Like what? What were you on the ice? Like what? what? Oh, oh, my team's in the middle of the. What you were? What you weren't on the ice? You weren't also, on the ice. If well, you're
0: one of the, if you're one of the eight teams remaining, you can't give them a first round pick like the Penguins can. It's oh, that's a. I wanted to what you show you my adorable you son. Oh, that's, that's okay.
3: <laughs> Listen, you <laughs> oh, I mean. like, can't
0: see that, Steve. Yeah, half the audience so cannot see that.
1: <laughs> so you what? could
0: not see. Steve held up a picture of Leo, just so you know. Um, He's adorable. I, I, But the thing is, is that, like, if you are a playoff team still, if you're one of the eight teams remaining when that trade goes through, you couldn't offer them, unless you offered a really good prospect, could not offer them a better first-round first pick than the Penguins could.
4: Okay. And you also can't so you offer doing? anybody off your roster because they're all on the ice. Yes. So, <laughs> you're kind of limited here.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Boo, fucking who? You're in the second round. The Leafs aren't. Like, really? What are you complaining about? You're in the second well, round.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't just get it. I just listen. Simmons doesn't like Dubas. That is obvious to everybody. And uh, what we saw from the end of season press conference is the feeling is extraordinarily mutual. They don't like each other. Uh, what I have a problem with is other league executives whining oh, that he didn't call them when it seems pretty obvious. Uh, like, he knows you don't like him. Well, if you if,
0: hear if Brian Burke... ask oh, sorry, go ahead, Jesse. If we
4: asked him, Steve Simmons that question, what do you think he'd say?
0: If we said, hey, do you have an issue with Kyle Dubas? I think he would never... He'd say that. no. He'd say I have He'd an issue no. with the way he runs the team, or the players he gets, or the way he manages. Probably, I, I Steve always claims that it's not personal, um, and I don't I don't know that it is. I think he's just I, I wouldn't think it's personal. Like having met Steve, he's not a he's not a um, I didn't Steve I didn't get the Steve Dangle. I didn't get the sense that Steve Simmons was a particularly vengeful guy. I just think he doesn't like what he doesn't like, and he's snarky.
3: Yeah. You have to understand our complicated relationship with Steve is he was extremely kind to us, but we just disagree with him on a lot of things. Everything. But like literally everything. one of the things, one of the things he said though on our show is uh, cause Kyle Davis had recent or not Kyle Davis. Uh, uh,
0: I, th-
3: I think it would have been Dave notice hired Sheldon Keefe. Yep. Um, to be head coach of the Marlies. And he back then, this was 2013 or 14 was like, I have no time for him. Yeah. now all of a sudden it's this guy who Steve thinks is 23 and Sheldon Keefe. Uh, running the show, like, yeah, he he very clearly doesn't like what's going on, but mm-hmm. he would tell you it's maybe on principle and not personal. But but I'm also, just, I'm just saying I'm skeptical of that.
0: <laughs> and and I've said this from the beginning: the Leafs could win the Stanley Cup, and the next day Steve Simmons will post an article about why they won't win it again. Why? Because people will read it. He's not. Like, he's not a stupid man. No, he's not. No, he's no not one's saying expert. that. No. Well, no. there's a lot of people saying that. but That's, that's the, true. <laughs> but but to 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 suggest that he is stupid. Here's the other thing you got to keep in mind. So everybody thinks that Steve Simmons is like really in with the old school hockey world. Uh, ask Brian Burke how he feels about Steve Simmons. He does not like him. No. At all. Uh, and that had to do with the fact that Brian Burke was in Afghanistan with Canadian troops on July 1st, and Steve said. Well, you shouldn't. You be trying to sign free agents, and that was the Brad Richards year. And thank God they didn't oh. sign Brad Richards. But that was that was, the, that, that was the fight there. So you know, it's it's uh, I you know that's that's just the way. That's the history there. So it's sort of yeah. you know, Everybody sort of feels that way, and and um, it is what it is. Uh, let's move on. Yes. To, let's talk about Vegas just a little bit here. I mean, don't they just look like the Stanley Cup contenders that they've looked like all season?
3: They're so good. And every now and then, every now and then, a video, there's videos that go around hockey Twitter every day. And like, you know, some, they, they give us laughs or it's controversy or or we're debating a hit or something. Dmitry Filipovich, and the little compilation he made of Mark Stone, made everyone stop and go, holy shit. They're stealing the pucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was, amazing. that's it. That's, that's it. it. Those, those compilations are, are so much better than just watching a guy score goals or make saves because with Mark stone and he was good at leaving the clip long a few times because he's like, look, here's him scoring a goal or sorry, here's him stealing the puck. And then it led to two scoring chances. That is is a truly elite player in the NHL, and Jeff Merrick was all over this um, in during the Marian Hossa years. It's unfair that the Selkie Trophy can seemingly only go to a center. If there was ever an argument that it should go to a winger, uh, how do you not? How is Mark Stone not the first winger to win the Selkie since like Yuri Lettinen or whoever it was? That dude is an unreal player. Uh, Max Pacioretty has flown under the radar. Jonathan Marcheseau is so good. Ryan Reeves is always a factor, although he won't be in the first game. Mm -hmm. And Shea Theodore, who was a young player in the 2018 Stanley Cup Final. I didn't like his 2018 Stanley Cup Final.
0: I don't think he even played much. Did he?
3: Uh, He did. I just remember a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And now he's just – He's a wagon. He's so So good. good. Um, They're getting great goaltending. They have a starter who is currently on the bench in place of the better goalie who they got (laughs) at the deadline, Uh, they're just so good. They're just so good. And they, they still play. It's like they play with a dash of Pete DeBoer and they're still this Gerard Gallant wave after wave after wave team that they were. Would you say
0: they play with the sword tip of a Pete DeBoer? Uh, You see a little slice, a slice of DeBoer, a little stab
3: maybe. (laughs) <laughs> just a little oh, oh, oh how's it going
0: nope nope series hey, recording you, you now okay right okay.
4: pete de boer by the way four and oh in game sevens really the man doesn't lose in game sevens hasn't lost yet
3: and the skeptic says hmm only four game sevens because hmm. <laughs> hmm.
0: they can beat the score you know what i'm saying Hey! Now, uh, now uh, I do want to uh, mention that it, you know, despite despite Alan Vino spending 20 hours a day on video footage, and the other four playing hockey, the Flyers still got killed. <laughs> the Flyers still got killed. <laughs> Man, I was I was all on the Flyer bandwagon, all on the Flyer bandwagon, and I think I think Barry Trotz is my favorite coach ever. I don't know if I've had an attachment to a coach like I have to Barry Trotz. Uh, not because the Islanders aren't great, but man, you, you really see the difference, right? Like, you see, this is a composed, brilliant team that just smothers you.
3: It's quite Well, it needs buy-in. It needs buy-in, right? And, you know, we were talking about the Preds, right? The 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 mm-hmm. 2012 Preds that Barry Trotz uh, coached. There wasn't right. a total buy-in. Radulov was frigging off doing his own thing. Because Steetson, there's a hilarious clip out there of... There's, a, it was like a three on three coming the other way. And Kostitsin just goes to the bench. And you see the whole bench going, <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> and then it's an odd man rush and they get scored on because, of course, they did. They had a, yeah. a defender just leave for, for no good reason. They didn't have total buy in, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you might go, Oh, well, that's Barry Trots. You know, he can't get through to his players. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. And the Islanders are hydrated. They are are well hydrated, this team. I I compared them on Twitter, and I saw that you liked it there, Adam. Um, You know, we talk about the Islanders being boring. Now, I'll just say it. I watched three game sevens this past weekend. That was the least entertaining one. That does not mean they're not a good hockey team. I watched the uh, Colorado Avalanche versus Dallas Stars. Chris Johnson called it a sugar high in his article that he had today. It's right. it's kind of like uh, watching a lion chase and Antelope. An who's not watching that? It's crazy. Then there's... Uh, what was the other game? Seven? We had Vegas-Vancouver. It was Demco versus the world. The Canucks versus the world. I It reminded me a lot of the 2013 Leafs where I was like, okay, one team is clearly getting killed here, but if Vegas slips up once might go in the net and Besser don't, had that crazy don't insult chance.
0: Vancouver like that that was a bad team that got lucky and who with a great goalie James Reimer was cool. outstanding cool. the
3: first first goal that went in in game seven the shots were 33 to 13 <laughs> sorry that I was reminded of a team that consistently <laughs> no, got
0: outshot. no I'm not glad to, no I just think Vancouver has way more talent than the Leafs did. oh 100% well, of course they do
3: but they got killed <laughs> they got killed right and what the Isles remind me of, because I had someone tweet me today. They're like, well, the Islanders, I think they lead the playoff in goals or something like that. And, you know, we're, we're talking about efficient predators. I, I made a video today. I was talking about lions. Uh, I was talking about crocodiles. The Islanders are the Komodo dragon.
4: What kind of video did you make?
3: Yeah. For, for Sportsnet, <laughs> it just went
0: up. The like a video or a video about the zoo? Yeah, Stephen the Attenborough. Islanders, watch the gazelle the
3: islanders <laughs> are the komodo dragon
0: they bite you it is do, relatively... do it in your Attenborough voice or you don't yeah, do it at all yeah or
3: just shut up go the islanders approach good. they bite their prey in the leg it is uneventful they retreat from the attack and their prey goes on about their day and then the next day slowing down ever more. And the next day until the hot stops and
0: they are no more. That's the Islanders. I like that. That's Jesse, the use That out of 10. Out of 10? Yeah. Out of 10. Uh, that's too that's
4: poetic. Solid eight.
3: Solid eight. That's yeah, not yeah, bad.
4: Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah.
3: For, so, on the, for on the spot, I was impressed. Solid yeah, me too. That was good. It's watching a Komodo dragon kill its dinner is not exciting television. No. But it's efficient as shit. They expend, they nearly no energy to do it. Now I'm getting away from the comparison a little bit. But their venom slowly kills you and then you die. And then they eat. The Islanders are eating. Mm. Okay. It's not an insult to call them efficient killers. They are. (laughs) They, with the caps, they pick them apart. With the Flyers, it's a miracle the thing got to seven. But with, uh, I just, please... For entertainment's sake, we need Tampa to win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but you know, people were like, "Well, don't you appreciate you know the beauty of how they play?" Of course I do. Of course I do. Yeah,
0: it just say it's the most hockey. exciting thing in the world, though. It, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's going to claim that except for yeah. Islander fans. Um, well, and they're tre- they're cheering for the Komodo dragon. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and they're what? What's their mascot? Sparky the dragon. I'm on to oh. something, man. Oh,
0: I thought it was oh, the something. Buick in their, in their stands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it a
3: Buick?
0: I don't know what it is.
3: In 1982, <laughs> my son was conceived in the parking lot of. <laughs>
0: hey, uh, okay. So just quick, guys, I want to get your picks because we're going to move on to the NHL awards next. And then we're going to do the press conference. So real quick, you got in the Eastern Conference, you got Tampa Islanders. Who do you pick and how many games? Starting with you, Jesse.
4: Uh, I wanted to look up what car it was
0: in the Brooklyn... Okay, so uh, Steve, area. we're going to start with you because it's really important that we get that car right. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Um, it's I, a Buick I Enclave. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea.
3: Tampa in six, I say, and this isn't me sleeping on the Islanders. This is, they have not played a team like the Lightning. The Caps mm. were obviously shaky heading in. Uh, the Flyers were obviously not the team that they went into this pandemic as. Uh, they haven't faced a a team like the Lightning. Have the Lightning faced a team
0: like the Islanders, though?
3: Yes, they have. The Columbus Blue Jackets. But I would say the Islanders are a better version of them. Okay.
0: Jesse. Um, oh, sorry. Continue, Steve. I didn't know if you not... oh, are
3: Oh, are we just
0: doing that series? I'm okay. just, no, no. We're going to do the other series. But I want to go around the room on this one first and then around the room Jesse. again. Jesse, Jesse, go ahead.
4: Islanders.
0: Versus Tampa Yes, that's what we're doing. Durs, ah. lightning. Um, Did you first, even
4: find the answer? <laughs> first, we need a pause and congratulate myself. I went 4-0 in the uh, conference seven. Oh, so, Jesse Blake. Uh, thank you. I don't get picks right very often. So now that I went 4-0, I would like my congratulations. Congratulations.
0: Congratulations. congratulations. You've thank accomplished you. so much.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am going to select the Tampa Bay Lightning because I think uh, I don't think the Islanders can keep it up and I just don't want them to do it in, in my heart. I don't (laughs) want them to lose,
1: to lose John Tavares.
4: I don't want them to lose John Tavares to, to my team and then keep winning and go all the way to Stanley Cup final. So I'm going to root for the lightning and lightning are going to do it in six games.
3: Typical Toronto guy cheering against the blue and orange team, (laughs) hoisting the cup in Edmonton. I'm going to say,
0: I am going to say lightning, but I'm going to say lightning in seven. You know why? Because we're Leaf fans, and it has to be painful. It has to go to the absolute last second. It's going to be Game Seven overtime. Lightning are going to win, but it's going to be one of those things where Islanders fans are going to be all over us. And I already—I woke up this morning with like ding, 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 in my DMs, like, ah, oh, see, we got you. It was everybody was very nice, but it was all like, you know, I, I don't blame them for like, if you're an Islander fan, you should be in my DMs making fun of us, like, totally. Uh, but the, the, uh, I think it's going to be the Lightning as well. And it's not because I don't think the Islanders won't eventually get there. I think Tampa's the better team, and I think this has got to be their time. Now, I don't, I don't know if they win the Cup, but I definitely think this has to be the year they go, right? This has to be it, right? So uh, They're the best team in the East. The best series by far is going to be Dallas-Vegas. I mean, that's going to be a tough, tough series. Two complete teams at max potential right that's what we're looking at so we know vegas has got a bit more of of scoring touch but we also know dallas is probably better on defense who do you give the edge to
3: i just don't really perceive a weakness in vegas really i just it's not just you know the, the unstoppable force part of them uh their their decor is solid they got a, a guy who was nominated for the Vesna last year. And behind him, they got a guy who's stolen st- uh, series uh, in recent memory. Um, I don't perceive a weakness in them. I think they're going to beat Dallas. But How many games? Oh, no, wait. I have to be consistent with what I said in the Sportsnet video. Because the Dallas Stars have been jerks and in their series against Calgary – And in their series against the Avalanche, I predicted they would lose, and they put me in their video both times on
0: Twitter. Oh, that's amazing. Dallas in seven. (laughs) Oh, wow. All right. All right. Jesse, what about you? Um, After DeBoer
4: reunited Carlson, Marciusso, and Riley Smith, and they absolutely dominated in game seven, I'm not going to vote against Vegas, so I'm going to go with Vegas in five. Whoa. Or the stars.
0: I'm going to go with Marcia. So needs to chill in his Instagram comments. And if you've seen what I'm talking about, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but I'm a big Marcia. So player guy. I really think he's amazing. Um, I think it's going to be Vegas in six. Um, I think Dallas is going to make this very, very interesting. Um, I really do believe though that, you know, what, what it comes down to for me is, you know, you saw what happened with Colorado. They lost a goaltender and then they lost another goaltender. If, Vegas loses a goaltender, they've still got Marc-Andre Fleury, even if he's got a sword wound that he's recovering from. And I think, you know, this is a guy that took them to the finals before, has been many times, has won three cups. Like, I don't – or two cups. Is it? No, three cups. You know, this is a guy that's been there. Uh, if Robin Lander goes down or doesn't play well, they've got, still got Marc-Andre Fleury. I just think that that's the thing. Um, so, Vegas in six for me. Just saying. Now, um, guys, we're going to move on quickly because we got to get through this quickly so we can match the time that we need to do. Um, and this is really difficult for us because moving the show along very quickly has been a challenge for me in the past. Uh, press conference after this. Adam, but first <laughs> I
3: need to talk about the 2010
0: Leafs. Please do. Oh, Please no. compare them to a team in the playoffs now. Um, oh, glad you asked. Yeah. So, there award. are none left. <laughs> starting today, we're going to start to, to see uh, NHL awards handed out because obviously they can't do a show. So there's going to be one award every single day. So we got one today. we got one tomorrow. We've got one the rest of the week. Oh. Um, and going into the Stanley Cup finals as well, some of the major awards will be awarded. So I'm going to go through. I'm going to tell you who's nominated, and I want you to just give me your pick on who and why wins each award. So starting with tonight the king clancy memorial trophy now bonus points if you can tell me what the king clancy is for steve can you tell me what the king clancy is for jesse can you tell me because i sure couldn't before this morning i believe it is for humanitarian efforts jesse what do you think uh supporting your community best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a significant humanitarian contribution to his community Ah, oh, we wow. kind of, oh yeah combined we kind of nailed it yeah yeah, <laughs> there, there you yeah go. half, half <laughs> points to both of you um right. so we okay nice. so we've got matt dumba henrik lundquist pk suban pk who could be perennially in this because can you give me those names game? again uh matt dumba henrik yeah. lundquist pk suban i have a question mm-hmm.
3: well i don't know if you'll have the answer to so these trophies are always regular season based yes So this is the problem, right? Um, I know Dumba has been very charitable. Lundqvist has been very charitable. Subban has been very charitable. If you're including the playoffs, which obviously you can't, certainly it's got to be Dumba. Um, I'll say Dumba, but I mean, really, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll say Dumba.
4: Jesse, I'm going to also go with Matt Dumba just for what I've seen him do in the
0: recent months. I know it's probably been already voted on, but I hope he gets it. Uh, Because it's already voted on. I'm not going to pick Matt Dumba. Although (laughs) I think he deserves it. PK Subban, because I can't, you can't argue with $2 million for a kid's hospital every year. Uh, It's amazing what he has done with, with the charity that he has done. It's like really, truly Um, there is no wrong answer here with Matt Dumba or PK Subban. Uh, Both great, both charitable, both forces in the game. So uh, whoever wins this one, it's going to be one of those two guys. It has to be. Bill Masterson... Um,
3: here, sorry. sorry. I do I do want to say one more thing about P.K. Subban. So a uh-huh. lot of people love to jump in and go, he's not donating $10 million to a children's hospital. He's pledged to raise $10 million for a children's
0: hospital. So? What's the it's, difference?
3: To me, that's semantics. And also, raising $10 million is incredibly hard. We helped raise a hundred thousand dollars for a charity and it took like four months of effort every single day. Yeah, but Steve, he's rich and he knows rich people. (laughs) Yeah, great. That makes him a great candidate to raise 10 million dollars. (laughs) Right.
0: I'm just saying.
3: If if Peter Subban pledges to raise 10 million bucks, it means something because he might actually do it. Yes. If I pledged to raise ten million (laughs) bucks, I got news for you. There's going to be a very disappointed hospital. Also, I'm not going to be able to pull it off.
0: Give me Scotts Tots.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great episode of Wow. (laughs) Yo, I gotta, I gotta say, anybody that wants to argue that semantics, you suck. Like who the (laughs) hell? Like really? Is that what you want to argue? Can't we argue about Frederick Anderson's save percentage or something? Seriously, like pick any other argument other than raising $10 million for a a kid's hospital isn't impressive. I'd
3: rather talk about Coyote's ownership.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bill Masterton announced uh, tomorrow or Monday, depending upon when you're listening to this. Now, this is the uh, National Hockey League player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. I think there's a lock on this one, but it's Stephen Johns, Oscar Lindblom, or Bobby Ryan. And to me, it's got to be Oscar.
3: Wow, those are three extraordinary candidates. Stephen Johns, I think, missed a year or two of hockey. Uh, Bobby Ryan, obviously his, uh, his battle with
0: uh, uh, addiction,
3: and then, and then coming back. and for, uh, Didn't he get a hat trick in his first game back? Yeah, And then Oscar Lindblom, I think, probably was going to win it anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. But
3: then the fact that when I saw him taking warm-ups for Game 5, I thought that was just a morale booster. Like I didn't know he was gonna play in game no. six and seven. Uh, that was astonishing to
0: me. So it's Oscar Lindblom easily, but three incredible candidates. Now the Willie O'Ree award, we're gonna skip because it's a community award in here. And I, I don't think that we need to have like a hot take on three people from the community who've done great things to raise money for hockey. Look into the stories, celebrate these people, whoever gets it deserves it, but all three do. Um, and, and we, I don't need yeah. to be like, I don't need to compare your charity to my charity. You know what I mean? Like there's even, nothing to be gained out of that. Even the
4: Masterson <laughs> one, I'm like, I don't, I think all three guys did something great. Right. Know? But I think yeah. it's yeah. important yeah, that we
0: give that. those backstories, right? It's sure. like, yeah. yeah. Not a, we're not
4: debating which accomplishment is better coming back from the substance abuse <laughs> or cancer, you know, we don't need hot takes on that. <laughs> it's all, it's,
3: it goes back to the, the thing Greg Wyshynski says. He always imagines Bill Masterton going, Oh, wow. The, yeah, very interesting. You came back from a broken wrist. I died. <laughs> Jesus. Which it's a bit of a dark joke, but see, he always yeah. makes it. Uh, Adam, who are the three names? We don't
0: need to debate them. I just want to know who the three names are. Oh, great. You caught me uh, you caught me flat footed on that one. I'll just have to look it up. Give me one sec. One sec. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, we don't Damn it, Steve. Yeah, well done, buddy. Sorry. I'm going now I look like a gigantic <laughs> asshole. Oh, you don't even know their names. <laughs> no, guys, we don't need to discuss this thing because I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. You know, it's, it's weird when you're trying to lead a discussion, you're like, Hey, let's not discuss it." uh, okay. So it's, uh, now I, I could be pronouncing these names incorrectly. Excuse me. If I am, please look up these stories. Uh, Dampy Brower, Alexandra Briggs, Blake, and John Hafferman are the three people that are nominated. And I feel like, I don't, maybe I'm wrong with an award like this. Cause there are other awards where they don't have nominees and we'll get to those on the list. Do you need to have three nominees or can we just, just have a winner? Have yeah, a winner. Just yeah, but I guess person, but. I guess it is an opportunity to celebrate three amazing stories too. So I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is there. That you just whatever. Sure. Uh, let's move on to the Jack Adams Award, which should be awarded if I'm correct on Wednesday. We've got Bruce Cassidy, Torts, and Alan Vigno. Twenty hours a day. Um, there's no question. <laughs> That Torts and Vigneault have to be the, the two guys that you look at most closely. Obviously, Columbus was decimated in the offseason, uh, losing Panarin and Bobrovsky. No matter how Bobrovsky performed afterwards, he was still a major part of that Columbus team. Um, and, you know, the fact that Alan Vigneault has taken, finally, the Philadelphia Flyers, who finally are performing the way that we thought that they probably could if they just got a goalie. Who do you give that award to, guys? Jesse, you go first this time.
4: <laughs> Easy. Bruce Cassidy gets it.
3: Oh! I'm a big fan.
4: I'm a big fan of the championship team coming back and running it back and finishing number one. Last year, the Boston Bruins were in the Stanley Cup Finals. It's, it was kind of unexpected. We, did, we didn't expect this run for the Bruins to last, like, what has it been now, 10 years? Yeah. They've been, they've been on top of the standings. And if you go to the Stanley Cup Finals and then you finish – the regular season number one. I think you deserve to be the best coach. You had the best team last year, and you come well, second best team last year, and you come back and you be, you're the best team again. You deserve to be rewarded. I think Bruce Cassidy deserves that Jack Adams uh, Award
0: for being the best. Now, Steve, what does who normally wins the Jack Adams Award? To Jesse's point, and Jesse, mm-hmm. I know you said that, so we could say this. Yes,
3: <laughs> the Jack Adams Award is the oh, look at you go award. <laughs> It's the team that surprises the it's most. The, right.
4: We expected you to suck and you don't suck. So here's the trophy.
3: So John Tortorella wins. Like I will, easily. I will
4: also
0: pick John Tortorella.
3: Yeah, the, the Flyers, I didn't expect them to be as good as they are. Uh, but not awful. The Bruins, I expected to be the Bruins. The Blue Jackets, I think we can say it was a surprise. <laughs> they were as active in the playoff conversation as they were, let alone in it.
0: We expected them to be contenders for the number one overall pick. That's what we expected.
3: Dude, they lost Bobrovsky and Panarin. Two guys who uh, this past offseason went on to make $21.6 million a year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's very rare you lose $21.6 million worth of free agent in two guys. Uh, Now, one was ass,
0: but the other was a heart contender. Yeah, but he wasn't ass when he was on their team. That's an important distinction, Adam. Important distinction. Uh, The Frank J. Selke Award, the award that, Steve, you mentioned this, will forever, for me, be associated with Yeri Lettinen. Because, for whatever reason, uh, Dallas was amazing as I was, like, coming up and and, and actually watching hockey for the first time, and Yeri Lettinen was the guy that always won it, and he was a winger. We got Patrice Bergeron, Sean Couturier, and Ryan O'Reilly. Can I just say that maybe, aside
3: from the Norris, the Frank J. Selke Trophy is the most lazily voted award in hockey. Why? Because look across the generations, how many nominees there have been. Guaranteed, it's not that many guys. And we just pick a player. Who was it? Bergeron, O'Reilly, and Couturier? Couturier? Who wants to bet money at least two of those guys will be
0: nominated next year? Oh, Bergeron will be.
3: Bergeron will be. I think Couturier, now that he's in the conversation, is going to have a hard time leaving it. And Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly earned this Selkie nomination when he won the Conn Smythe last year. Interesting. You know what I mean? And yeah.
0: like,
3: none of them are bad picks, but it's just incredibly just lazily voted we'll just, on. Okay, well then, lazily pick one. Bergeron okay jesse steve to your point since
4: 2005 only seven different guys have won the award oh,
3: wow so
4: that's wow uh, what is that 15 years and 15 seven guys. years
3: yeah. yeah and how many of those guys are bergeron
4: probably he's probably uh, bergeron two. has one two three four Sel- uh selkies yeah
3: he when was his last one uh
4: 2017 wow oh he's due yeah, and and last wh- year, Ryan O'Reilly won it last year. So.
3: Bergeron got nominated it. for the 2020 Selkie in 2017.
4: I think, uh,
0: by Come the way, who are you picking, Jesse? Who'd you say? Uh, pff, I'll take Ryan O'Reilly again, back to back. I in- Based on that Mark Stone video that Dmitry Filipovich put out, I think Mark Stone should win it. But it's going to be Patrice Bergeron this year. Because Boston was the number one. They were amazing all, all season. Has to be Patrice Bergeron because he's the heart and soul in that team, along with Marchand and, and Chara. Uh, Lady Bing. Now, can you define for me what the Lady Bing trophy is for? Because we always forget this. There's a, now, there's a lot of hockey nerds going, no, I know. Okay, we get you, you know. Most people do not know. But no, nobody's like, oh, man, I'm really waiting around for the Lady Bing Memorial. So, what does the Lady Bing stand for? It's the uh, uh, gentlemanly
4: award.
3: Yes, right. Gentleman, gentlemanly and sportsmanship. Player
0: adjudicated to have the exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. So you're not a dick, and you're good at hockey. Nathan McKinnon. You can't McKinnon, just be nice. Yeah, you can't be nice. You got to be great. Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, Ryan O'Reilly. Now.
4: I am going to pick Nathan McKinnon because I don't like the off-ice performances of the other two guys nominated for the Gentlemanly Award.
0: Right. So now I'm going to default to Ryan. That was a long time ago. Yes. That yeah. It was a long time ago and people are allowed as bad as that was, we can we hope that people can grow from that and we have to allow them space to do yes. that. Is that fair? Yes, sure. 100%. But I don't think you can give it to Austin Matthews given what the what happened this off-season.
3: Yeah, I'm not even going to look up his numbers because uh, the it's fact Nate that McKinnon. he did that. Snake uh, dog. Yeah. It's, yes, absolutely. Okay, so um, we're unanimous on that? So I will go through his numbers, though. In 69 games. <laughs>
4: he needs to go on a tangent.
3: <laughs> it's very, it's very <laughs> small. Steve is about to prove to everybody, finally, that Nathan McKinnon is good at hockey. Here we go. In 69 games, he had 35 goals, 58 assists, 93 points, just 12 penalty minutes. Shit, a, is he good at hockey? Fuck yeah!
0: <laughs> Steve, I love you so much, man. <laughs> Do you?
3: <laughs>
0: now this the the Jim Gregory Award. What is that one? What the Jim Gregory Award? Can you guys tell me what the Jim Gregory? Did they rename an award? award? It used to be the Lester B.
4: Pearson. There we go. That one is no.
3: Wait, 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 I wait, think wait. It's the Lester
0: B. Pearson. Just, oh, wait, no, I'm wrong. No, yes. the Jim okay. Gregory Award is, no. But what is the Jim Gregory Award? I don't know. I have no idea.
3: No, the, the Lester B. Pearson is now the Ted Lindsay. Right, sorry, right. excuse yeah. me,
0: excuse me, I got this. So this is, I have the notes in front of me and I still fucked it up. So the Jim Gregory Award is awarded to the best general manager in the league. There are no finalists, so you might pick one. Now, as Jeff Merrick always says, which Steve, you often repeat, what? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The award for GM of the year is the Stanley Cup. Correct. However, GM of the year, who do you give it to? There are no finalists you can pick from anybody. Who had, the, who had a sizzling year? And to me, easy, Joe Sackick. Joe Sackick is
3: pretty hard to that argue. That NASM against. deal, pff,
0: boy. It's one deal. That can make the difference. And if those goalies don't go down... We're talking about Avalanche, the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. We're not talking about Dallas.
3: You know who I think should have maybe been in the Jack Adams conversation is Jared Bednar. Because yep. the, the Avs were supposed to be good.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Not with the injuries they had, for crying nope. out loud.
0: Nope. No. So The miracle uh, they won, actually. They pushed it to seven.
3: He should be in the conversation. Uh, GM of the year.
0: Who made some gnarly like, trades, bro? So, yo, some gnarly deals. Who who unlocked both blackberries in NHL 12? <laughs> uh,
3: what about what about Tampa? Like, what about uh, Steve Eiserman? Julian Breswa? Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, sorry. He's he's in Detroit now. Yeah, Steve is in uh, yeah. is in Detroit. Well, how about this? They traded JT Miller for a first round pick and got better <laughs> like yeah. that's pretty stupid that's pretty stupid the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, are in the Eastern Conference final and uh, now i'm looking they don't have either of their first round picks that they had this off season mm-hmm. i'm now forgetting exactly who they had mm-hmm. i don't know i'm going to go i'm going to go with Julian Breezwall just because the lightning are a freaking wagon the fact he's able to keep that group together.
4: I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Don Sweeney for sticking with his crew. He made I think two trades. Got Nick Ritchie. Got Andre Case at the uh, trade deadline. Kasha. That's- Kasha. Sorry, now I say that should be Case. What's his should problem? <laughs> yeah, change your name. You know,
3: fair, fair. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he he. Can I award him for sticking with his crew? Like, yeah. I think that's also a skill, you know, knowing what you got and uh, letting them do their things. So I think if you win the President's Trophy with the guys you got and you add two important pieces, like
0: uh, Kasha and Richie, I'm going to give it to Don Sweeney. I think it's Brian Burke that always says, sometimes the best moves you make as a GM are the ones you don't make. Um, so, uh, or is it... Yeah, I think it was Burkey that said that. Anyway, um, I, I'm going to give it to Don Waddell. I think that team is just... And I give it to him, like, like, he didn't do anything crazy, crazy this year, except for that Vinny Trocek deal, which I think was robbery. Um, uh, and and just based on that alone and the team that he's assembled, uh, I'm such a fan of the Carolina Hurricanes. And I know that they didn't play the best whatever, but I'm completely confident that next year we're talking about the Hur- Carolina Hurricanes the same way we're talking about the abs. They might go out in the second round, but they are on the upswing Big time! Watch out for the Hurricanes. I give it to Don Waddell. I think he's assembled a, a hell of a team there. Um, okay, moving um, on. Sorry,
3: just just because I said I don't know what the hell happened to their first, mm-hmm. the Lightning used those first to
0: get Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah. All right. So maybe maybe you're right with Julian Breeze. <laughs> yeah. Um the Mark Messier Leadership slash Cookie Award. No finalists. <laughs> Who hey, is it? your pick? Yeah.
3: Uh. Jay Weber every year until he retires. <laughs> Jesse. What? <laughs> Who's leadership? 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 leadership.
4: So leadership. leadership award for leading. I think it should On a go ship. to I think it should go to Mark Messier. He should get his own <laughs> award for refusing to hold up a cookie above his head. That's right. That's true leadership. Leading leading off the ice and mm-hmm. No, who do you who do you actually give it to? Ah,
0: leadership award. I got to think about it a little. You go ahead Adam. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, and this is going to be an unpopular one. However, it could be his last season, Zidane Chara.
3: I would like to agree with Adam and say Zidane Chara.
0: And I think they're going to do that because Zdeno Chara is a great leader. And I don't know if he's won it before. And I feel like he should. And I think the writers probably who are voting on it, I think that's who votes on that one, probably think he should as well. There's always a lifetime achievement award. Yeah, and no one is going to look at that and go, well, that's, uh, that's stupid. Zdeno Chara could have won it every year.
3: Let me let me throw this out there. In the same way that a center, like a, a winger, should be able to win the Selkie,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I think an assistant captain should be able to win it. Like, why yeah. does it have to be a captain? Bergeron. Who, who, well, Bergeron's a good example, but who put their team on their back more than Nathan McKinnon this year?
0: Pretty tough to disagree mm. with that.
3: Landeskog was out of the lineup. Rantanen was out of the lineup. And he played his best hockey a in the playoffs and B when those guys were out of the lineup. Yep. He was yeah. an animal this year. Uh to me it's Nathan McKinnon, but Jesse I'll, I'll say My time.
4: pick would be uh Anders Lee because if we're going to going to go with rewarding like congratulating Barry Trotz for getting everybody to buy into the system, then we need to also uh congratulate the captain on getting his guys to also buy into the system. So I think Man, you imagine getting every, pick. everybody together, you know, reward Anders Lee, give him
0: that award. Yeah, I, Can you like imagine that. they win the cup and he wins the Messi Award? Now, these awards, ah! these awards the awards I'm going to, we've got four more, five more to go, but real quick, okay? These awards are going to be announced during the Stanley Cup finals. We've got the Calder, Hart, Norris, Lindsay, Vesna, okay? So we're going to start mm-hmm. with the Calder and we're going to move quick. Quinn Hughes, Kubelik, uh, Dominic Kubalik in Chicago, or Kale McCarr? Who do you give it to, quick guys? Kale McCarr.
3: Kubalik. Kale uh, oh, he- McCarr. I'm going to give it to Kale McCarr. Uh, He allowed – people talk about the Tyson-Berry trade like that's all it was. What allowed the Colorado Avalanche uh, to get rid of their power play quarterback was them uh, drafting and developing a better one in in Kale McCarr. Uh, So to me, uh, Kale McCarr had an enormous impact on the Avalanche roster. What about Quinn Hughes? Yeah, him too. But to me, it was Kel season. Jesse? Kubalik 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 30 Whoa. goals as a seventh-round pick, first year in the NHL.
4: Also, I'm scared of Blackhawks fans. If I pick anybody, not Kubalik
3: <laughs> Yeah, but he's... Uh, <laughs> and I'm an going to go... Asterisk, with... asterisk, he's 35.
0: <laughs> it's true, but I am going to go with Quinn Hughes, who is... Um, I just hate Vancouver for the... For <laughs> just hate him. Because that's exactly what the Leafs need. Quinn Hughes is the guy. And Quinn Hughes will win. That's my opinion. Um, Hart Memorial. Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon, Artemi Panarin. Not the last time that we will get the three of these guys together on an award. Now, this is player most valuable to his team as voted on by people outside the game. Who do you give it to?
4: Jesse? Nathan McKinnon deserves every award for everything. He was... Uh, by far the best player on his team, and he was just so far ahead of anybody else on the roster. The other guys were doing the exact same thing, except
0: Nathan McKinnon did it better. Mm-hmm. Nate McKinnon, same thing. I do think, though, I would not be shocked if it's Leon, but I think it de- I think deservedly it goes to Nathan McKinnon.
3: Okay, you're Edmonton Oilers fans. I'm Thanos. I'm going to snap one of Drysidle or McDavid off your team. Who do you pick? Dreisaitl. Yeah, I'm going to Thanos snap the league MVP.
0: Yeah. Uh, McDavid's better.
3: <laughs> and he's more valuable, frankly. Yeah. yeah like, I don't know. What, come yeah. on. It's no disrespect to Dreisaitl. And again, he, there's another guy who played his best hockey when, uh, Mc, uh, yeah, McDavid was out of the lineup. Panarin, you go, oh, my God, look at the stuff he did. At McKinnon did a better version of that. Nathan McKinnon was the league's most valuable player this
0: year. Easily. James Norris Memorial, best defenseman, John Carlson, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, which is, Roman Yossi is an interesting one. because First-time achievement award. Yeah. I don't know that he's performed quite as well as the Roman Yossi we've seen in the past. I don't think he gets that one. I know Carlson's won it before, and I think Yossi has too.
3: There's, there was, I think he's been nominated. There, there's, basically people expected Yossi to suck after a while, and he just hasn't um that doesn't mean he's the league's uh, best defender um Carlson I think showed in these playoffs why he's not the league's best defender he's maybe the best offensive defenseman in the league um to me it's Victor Hedman because Tampa all the star power they have it really it, we've really discovered over the past few months that Victor Hedman's the engine of that team
4: Jesse I think uh, history has
3: proven that
4: this is not the Norris Trophy. This is the, hey, who's the best offensive defenseman trophy? So I'm going to take John Carlson because wow. of the 75 points he put up in the regular season. I think that's the way the right ears are going to vote because, like I said, it's the best offensive defenseman award. And I'm so gonna many say, points.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say Hedman. Uh, and I say Hedman because uh, not enough is made of Tampa Bay's defense. Not enough is made about their commitment to it. And that starts with Victor Hedman the way he plays the way he leads the way he is on and off the ice there is nobody that wanted to cut down on their high danger shots like the Tampa Bay Lightning and that started with Hedman and boy if I'm Sergachev, having Hedman ahead of me what a guy to learn from and what a guy to take the pressure off Sergachev is as good as he is because he's got a guy like Hedman to take some of those great minutes away so I can develop properly I think it's Victor Hedman all the way that's my opinion, though. Now, we've got um, the Ted Lindsay Award, NHL's most outstanding player, as judged by the NHL PA. Dreisaitl, McKinnon, Panarin. Who do you think the players will vote for? McKinnon. McKinnon.
3: Yeah, you can, McKinnon. You can take
0: what I said before and copy and
4: paste it over to this segment. Cool. All Thank right. And,
3: last one. Well, I, I will say this, because players will have a, a simpler version of the conversation we're having, they're not gonna look at the numbers. They're all gonna sit around and be like, dude, he's not even the best player on his team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's super easy. How is Connor McDavid not up for anything? Is that stupid? That's kind of that's like LeBron James not being up for something. Like you, can, you gotta you throw, throw Connor him McDavid in. Uh, he'll win the the Messi award or something. He's got something. At how least give I, him like best McDavid, screenplay
3: or like come on, really? You know, Connor McDavid?
0: Best art Sound direction. design. Yeah. Um, Last last award, Vesna Trophy. Winnipeg's Connor Hellebuck, Boston's Tuka Rask, Tampa's Andre Vasilevsky, all good choices. Who do you give it to? I'll go. Uh, You've
4: got to give it to Connor Hellebuck, the guy who could have arguably also been nominated for the Lindsay of the Heart. Um, he held up a Winnipeg Jets team that was just decimated on defense, and his numbers are fantastic.
3: The Jets, the Bruins, and the Lightning. What is the difference between them? The Bruins and Lightning are good teams. <laughs> it's Connor Hellebuck.
0: Done. Same. I, I don't have <laughs> anything to add. And you already know how big of a fan of Connor Be- Hellebuck I am and how disappointed it, I, I, I was that he wasn't up for the Hart or the Lindsay or any of those. Um, talk about most valuable to his team. Like, come on. How do you not include Connor Hellebuck in that? He should win the Vesna. If he doesn't, it's a joke. That's a joke. (laughs) Frankly, he really should. Um, So let's do the press conference quick. We got about five minutes for Jess. Five, 10 minutes. Okay. The Steve Dangle
3: press conference. First
4: question, is Kyle Lowry a Hall of Famer?
0: Ooh, that booty is. Talk about that.
4: That's a Hall of Fame ass right there. That is true. He's Hall of Fame sports asses. Oh, for sure.
3: Um, uh, Ash, Ashley Docking posted on Instagram: "Lord, give me the ass of Kyle Lowry and the confidence of OG Ananobi." <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good tweet or Instagram. It's, That's
3: good. That's it's, funny. it's great. Um, I was thinking about him. Like, I don't know if they're ever going to do like a Raptors Legends row, but he has to be the first Raptor in.
0: There. He's one of one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Build build the statue now. It's already done.
3: First number retirement.
0: I think. I think. I think. I think it depends on what he does this season. Like what we'll see what, where these playoffs go. Um, but the way he plays, I mean, uh, I, and I have to have a better sense of, cause like, here's the thing, like the NHL hall of fame, most people, like most people that make it in, you're like, yeah, they deserve that with the baseball hall of fame. It's like, this reliever was 51 and 47 or, or 51 and 60 and had a, a, an ERA of like three and a half and he's in and Larry Walker had a hard time getting in. So I think Kyle Lowry's like a Larry Walker pick like outside shot for sure. No guarantees, but because I'm a biased Toronto sports fan, I want Kyle Lowry in the Hall of Fame and therefore I think he should be dude played in Canada. It's going to be tough. Yeah, going to be tough. Really tough. This question is
4: from Matt Grady on Twitter. Am I wrong for thinking Wayne Simmons would be a slam dunk cheap signing for the Leafs? Uh, you're
0: wrong because he's not cheap. Uh, he's I not think, cheap. you know what? No, he's not. I, he's not guys. Like he's not, he based on reputation alone, Wayne Simmons is going to be a three to $5 million player. I think he's three and a half, four, four, uh, that's not cheap for the Leafs.
4: You don't think he takes a discount to play here? Yo, no. This, this dude – He can take a discount
3: dude, next
0: season. Fair. Th-
3: this dude, I think you're on to something, Adam, in that he's probably going to be overpaid. This dude had 24 points in 61 games with the Devils, uh, 68 games on the season. He had 25. Buffalo got him at the deadline, and in seven games he had one assist. Like, it, I I hope – I'd love to I have hope. Him uh, I would absolutely love to have him here. I hope, you know, with this long layoff, I mean, it's going to benefit players like him who have been sort of slowed down by injuries. He'd be, uh, I would love to see him on the Leafs, but for the amount of money he can command based on his reputation, I don't know. He's Although, not gonna be a
0: Leaf based on, wouldn't
3: that. it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool for him to get his 500th point as a Leaf? He's on. He's sitting on 499. It'd be cool. It's a good thing anymore. Babs
0: isn't the coach. <laughs> <laughs> Never play him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're about to break a record? How about we just don't play you? It, you, um, know, you know how much a, a Mike Modano bobblehead costs?
3: $14.99. Ooh.
0: Final question. I liked it. I liked
4: it. Final question comes from at Jesse Blake. At Jesse Blake wants to know, what are your thoughts on Chris Johnson going on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night and saying that, Pierre Maguire has interviewed twice for the Arizona drop and is being
3: seriously considered for the position. CJ, the
0: C stands for content it is good stuff there. CJ. Delicious. Mm. Um, I think uh, my first reaction was, can you believe it, Steve? <laughs> I, can. <laughs> I can. I can. I yeah. can.
3: You well, know What's interesting though, is he was sort of whispered about with Minnesota. This is, people are stomping and yelling.
0: I think he might actually be the GM there. Well, and, and the thing, the fun part is that, like, do you remember when he talked about the winning streak that he went on with Hartford? And then, and then Greg Wyshynski came out and he's like, actually, those games didn't go like that. And he's misremembering every game that he coached. Here's the thing. With the Coyotes' leadership situation, they are non-hockey people. And they are looking at non-hockey avenues. And uh, one thing you can say about Pierre, first off, really nice guy. Second, pretty knowledgeable. Third, great talker. And you need to have the ability to communicate what you need to do with the Coyotes. And I have to tell you, not everybody that they've uh, interviewed is a great communicator. And Pierre, for as much as he's maligned, is a pretty great communicator. That's why you know Pierre Maguire's name is because he gets in your head, and you might disagree with him, but you know Pierre Maguire's voice, you know how he talks, you know what he says, and it's quotable. And I think that that makes an impact when you're in a uh, uh, an interview like that. I mean, God, they've been he's been bandied about for 20 years. Like when he was on just TSN with Bob and Gore. Like it was, Pierre Maguire's name came up over and over and over again, and he just missed here, he just missed there. You know he wants it, I think he gets it. And wow. expectations are so low, like for a lot of people, like he's going to
3: get in there and be like most other GMs and people are going to go, Whoa, Pierre McGuire is going to, he's doing so much better than I, than I thought he would. And let me just say this, every American listening to this show right now, you are cheering for the Arizona coyotes
0: to sign this guy as their next GM. It's going to be fun. Cause it takes his mic off. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let me say this. Beyond that, he's the first call I'm making if I'm a GM and he gets hired. He's the first I, call. I
3: don't think him as an AGM, like an AGM, an assistant GM, is that crazy. Because you just need someone in your front office who just knows everything. Yep. And like, who's just really good at trivia. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And he's pretty good at it. Maybe not with his own for Whalers, but with everyone else.
0: I think, I think he gets the job, guys. I think he's a yeah, good communicator, and they need that in, in Arizona right now. It's a mess. So, anyway. Uh, also, one other
4: note. Uh, Mike Babcock did interview for the head coaching position in Washington.
0: He did officially. Uh,
3: yeah. The Caps aren't, aren't going to put up with his shit. I think no. that would be a good rehabilitation for him. That being said, I think Gerard Gallant is a better fit for that team.
0: I agree. I don't think uh, Mike Babcock and Alexander Ovechkin are going to get on if Ovechkin's playing, you know, 18 minutes a game. I just don't think that's going to happen. So uh, I think – I don't know why Gerard Gallant keeps being let go, but I'm really am a big fan of him. <laughs> He's, I can't uh, wait for
3: the Caps to be like fifth in the firing. <laughs> <era. laughs>
0: have, the, have the Panthers ever recovered from the Gerard Gallant firing? No. Like they were a pretty good you know what I mean? They've never
4: really been that
0: good. No, but they seemed like they were going somewhere. (laughs) Have
3: they ever recovered from that one time they were okay for a bit? Yeah. yeah. They haven't required starting
0: a franchise. They haven't really come back from firing Doug McLean at this point. um, (laughs) before
3: they won won their division and then lost to John Tavares in six?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's the show for today. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back Wednesday. Enjoy your Labor Day on both sides of the border. um, And we will talk to you then. Anything else to add, guys? Cool. Mature, man.
1: The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.